Welcome back to another exciting episode of Adventuring for Mere Mortals. I'm Kyle, joined by co-host Trevor, and today we're chatting with Mary Beth and Brentley from Bikes, Buses, and Beers. Trev, since you extended the invitation, how about you do introductions? Mary Beth and Brentley from BBB Adventures. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Uh, so I just mentioned y'all have a, a YouTube channel, BBB Adventures, and we'll get into a lot of what you guys have been up to. But the big thing that kind of drew me to calling you guys up or Instagram messaging you, if I'm being honest, uh, is you just finished a bike touring trip across the U.S. from Washington to New York called the Apollo Mission. So yeah. really cool. We'll get into all the details. But first, just tell us a bit about yourselves. Okay, um, I'll start. I, my name is Brentley, like uh, I think you said, and um, I, I'm actually, I was born, I'm an Idaho resident, so I was born in Idaho. Uh, we live in Idaho now, but uh, we just recently moved back, so I spent a lot of my adulthood life not in Idaho, but I, went, I, I grew up in Idaho, went to the University of Idaho, um, and got a degree in mechanical engineering, and started my career, and spent my entire career in the high-tech computer industry, which provided me uh, an opportunity to be an expat and live in India and Taiwan. Um, and uh, in fact, Mary Beth and I lived in Taiwan together for the last, uh, for six years. We've been back in the U.S. for two years now, but we, we lived in Taiwan together in six years. And, uh, and that's really where we developed I would say cemented our love for cycling because we're, we're living in Taiwan because it's really some world-class cycling. And if you, if folks are interested, you can go to DB adventures. And if you go back into the archives of videos, we've got lots of videos of cycling in Taiwan um, and what that's like. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, you know, for me, the, the, you know, this is a podcast about, you know, adventures and getting out and doing stuff and growing up in Idaho, uh, Included a lot of outdoor activities. I mean, you know, uh, hunting, fishing, hiking, backpacking, uh, skiing in the winter. It was, that was just the way life was. I didn't really think much about it. I just that was just life. And uh, when I look back on it now, uh, that's a pretty it was a pretty magical place to grow up with all of this outdoor stuff. And I, I probably didn't appreciate it. Well, in fact, I know I didn't appreciate it as much as, you know, I should have sort of just took it for granted. Um, I even climbed the, when I was 15 years old, I climbed to the top of the Grand Teton. Um, and uh, now, now when we go to the Tetons and I look at it, I'm like, I can't believe I actually climbed up there. And when I look at photos, <laughs> I look at photos, I got photographs. Uh, I took my dad, my dad loaned me his, like, you know, this was a, this was in the eighties, uh, in the early eighties. And, you know, before digital photography, my dad loaned me his really expensive, you know, 35 millimeter camera. And I, I have a picture of me sitting on the, the summit and I'm wearing a University of Idaho sweatshirt and I'm wearing 501 jeans and I've got, you know, some high, some 
you know, low dollar hiking boots on. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, today you got to spend, you know, four thousand dollars on mountain climbing equipment if you're going to go do something like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, so that's you know, that's I, I had an early introduction to outdoor outdoor stuff and I really enjoy it. I really love it. And we'll get into we'll get into some more history with our cycling here in a minute, but I'll I, I, I'll give my wife I'll give Mary Beth a chance to talk. So I was born and raised in Madison, Wisconsin. I spent most of my adult life in the Chicagoland area until this guy drug me to Taiwan, and then uh, here to Idaho. So I did not live an outdoorsy life at all. I went skiing twice in Wisconsin. And if that's considered skiing, I, know I was going to say the, the jury's out on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you have to, when you have to manufacture the snow, it doesn't count. Yeah. Is never, that the rule? Yeah, I, don't, I just made that up. I don't know. Um, I started some... riding a, a bike in 2012, primarily as a way to get fit and lose weight. But I fell in love with it then. I did my first organized bike ride um, locally in Illinois and absolutely fell in love with that. I'm like, wow, where has this been my whole life was, was actually my reaction. I remember I was 47. I'm like, why did it take me 47 years to figure this out? <laughs> well, and at least then, you figured uh, it out. At least I figured it out. And then I did my first reg ride in 2013, and that had me hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, I, it's interesting because we, we both got – sort of serious into cycling in our 40s. I mean, you know, everybody everybody learned to ride a bike when they were a kid and and a, and a bicycle was part of their adolescence at some level, you know. Um, it was, you know, for me, it was the first uh, sort of expression of freedom. You know, it was the first real freedom you had, you know, you get on a bike. And even today, sometimes when I get on my bike and I'm riding, I just, I get this euphoric feeling. It's like, oh, I'm five years or whatever, eight years old again, you know, riding my bike. Uh, it just makes me happy. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, like I said, when we, when we moved to Taiwan, um, we, the first thing we did when we landed literally within the first few days of being there, we went to the giant store and ordered two brand new road bikes and, uh, and we rode them, uh, 15,000 miles. Yeah. We logged about, according wow. to Strava, we logged about 15,000 miles in the six years we were there. Uh, wow. And, uh, we, we did lots of, lots of, lots of writing and it really just, like I said, cemented our love of cycling and it's what led us to, um, to, to bike touring. Um, and I, and we'll, we can probably get into that later, but yeah, that's, um, and then we started BBB adventures when we lived in Taiwan because we were like, nobody knows how great this Island is in terms of cycling. You know, it's, it's, a it's when you it's not usually listed on like the top 10 places in the world to go cycling and it should be and so we wanted to uh share that experience with friends and family and um and so we that's why we started it and then it it and at the time it was actually called buses bikes and beers um B, that's what bbb stands for uh we rebranded it recently uh to comply with some Stuff, YouTube rules. YouTube rules. <laughs> um, the, uh, apparently, YouTube thought we were promoting alcohol and vehicles because of our title. So, um, but we, uh, yeah, we started it to share, and then it turned. You know, it for us, it sort of pivoted and turned into something that 
um, as we as we started to build a community and started to engage with our viewers, it became that it was a vehicle by which we could we could inspire others. Um, and and if you look at the demographics of our channel, it's it's it you know it's not twenty year olds. It's people of you know from from their forties to their sixties is is our key demographic. And and you know it's it's we we're inspiring people. Um, because they tell us it's, you know, we, we have viewers that tell us, we have a lot of people on Ragbri last year that told us, Hey, we're on Ragbri because of you guys. And, uh, and so that, that really, really motivates us that we're getting people out and, and enjoying the, the magic of cycling. So that's why we do your, it. Your channel is the reason I know about Ragbri. The YouTube algorithm oh, wow. just popped it up and I don't even know, it was a couple of years ago and yeah, I watched all of the videos from, I guess that was three years probably. ago. Yeah. I think then, yeah. but yeah, I learned all about it. I was like, okay, gotta, we gotta do this. And now I've tried to rope in a lot of my friends to go next year. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a great introduction to y'all. Let's, uh, let's do a bit of a catch up because Kyle and I, we are, we are buddies, but we don't talk as much as we should, but uh, Kyle, what have you been up to? Uh, not a whole lot of adventuring. Um, let's see. I took the front end of my truck apart, the entire <laughs> suspension, and then put it back together uh, with new components. So that was fun. Is it a rock crawler? No, it is not. <laughs> it was just the it had a uh, the ball joints all needed to be replaced, and uh, I had a leaky shock. And the way my truck is set up, in order to replace the shock, I have to take the whole front end basically apart. So it's like, well, if I'm going to take it apart, I might as well put new components back in so that way I don't have to worry about it for another 120 something thousand miles. So I did that. And then I decided I've got the uh, storage uh, or drawer system in the back of my truck for camping and stuff. And I use that one going skiing in the winter and stuff like that. It's had a hard life. So I'm building a new one. It's very industrious. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I go through waves. It turns out, um, but I'm about over it. So once this is done, then I'm done for a while. Um, been busy with work-related stuff. What about you, Trev? I guess the biggest news is I will now be employed for the foreseeable future. So in uh-huh. I've kind of alluded to it that I, when my family and I moved up here to Bloomington, uh, my work wasn't a real big fan of me being remote. And I requested remote. And they all kind of said no. So I kept getting extended for business reasons. And then I it was able to post for a new role. So instead of doing regular office work, I'm going to be doing 14 days on, 14 days off out the field. So it's going to be an adjustment. And we're going to, we're going to my wife and I are going to give it a shot. And my mother-in-law is going to have to come help us So while, when I'm not there. Because my wife works full-time and she works longer hours than I do. So working it out. But the pace still good so i'm gonna keep doing that <laughs> until until i decide i don't like it anymore but um on a more fun note uh so we live only a couple hours from chicago so some of our friends from louisiana were up in town for uh the husband's conference he was he was at and the whole family came up so their friend their kids are friends with our kids so we did chicago downtown things went to the planetarium shed aquarium the field uh, Navy Pier, like I had been to all those things because I lived in Chicago for like seven, eight years in grad school. But it was good to show my kids. I was 
very excited that my daughter, who's now uh, six, loved the Field Museum. Like I, I had to like, it was closing. I was having to pull her out. It's like, let's, we got to go. We got to go. She's like, no, I want to look at the dinosaurs. I'm like, okay, <laughs> we'll come back. I promise we're only two hours away, but yeah, had a good time and took the Amtrak up, which is a good time. That way you don't have to park and pay for parking and deal with Chicago traffic. It was great. But uh, other than that, uh, working on planning some fall trips, I think here in a couple of weeks, I'm going to go down and see our buddy Alex in uh, Kentucky and do some gravel riding. I think is the plan right now. Still working out all the details, but I'll talk about that next episode. But uh, Mary Beth Brentley, what have y'all been up to? Well, we um, since we finished the Apollo mission, we've sort of been laying low a little bit, but uh, we just finished a 3,000-mile road trip in the car, on a bicycle this time, to attend our daughter's wedding in the Chicagoland area. Um, so we drove from Idaho Falls to uh to gurney gurney illinois where she lives and uh and the wedding was actually in uh joliet um uh it was really cool it was in the uh the old union station in joliet which is now a venue a venue for stuff like weddings so it was really it was really fantastic um what else well we Adopted a doggy. We got a doggy. Oh, a week after we got home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, he's a fierce three three pound one ounce toy poodle, and uh, his, his name is Disco. His name is Disco Macau. Uh, Disco Macau is actually uh, <laughs> it's one of the craft beers in Taiwan that we fell in love with, and we were drinking it one day at their tap room, and. You know, we said, hey, this is a great name for a dog. If we ever have a dog, we're going to name it Disco Macau. So, that was probably six years that ago. That was like six years ago. So, you know, we, we named the dog way before we got it. But but we've been enjoying. And when I say enjoying, I'm uh, some of that is true. Some of it's not. But, you know, it's the every two hours, make sure he goes outside so, you know, he doesn't have an accident in the house. You know, mm-hmm. all the stuff that anybody's ever had a you know, a little puppy, a little puppy you go through, you know, why are you chewing on everything? (laughs) But, uh, yeah. So, but we've been enjoying that. And, um, what else? A few home improvements and, you know, preparing, um, we have a, we have a separate building from our house where, uh, where we do lots of projects. And so we're, um, we're preparing that for our school bus conversion. So we, we wanted to get the shop ready for that because that's one of the next big things on our list. And we'll probably, we probably get into that when we get into what are we, you know, what's next for BB adventures. We can get into that, but we're, 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 we're going to build a, a school bus and tour around the U S and ride our bikes and drink beer. Nice. It sounds like a, sounds like a great next adventure. Yeah. That's horrible. <laughs> uh, and, and now that I know that Kyle can do, you know, front ends and ball joints and stuff, I'll let him know uh, when we get the bus. It probably needs all of that. So. <laughs> I was going to say he's not that far from me. He's in Boise, so right, right. Yeah. And I've got friends in Rexburg, so I have to drive through Idaho Falls. Well, uh, you know, stop by and uh, you know, bring your bring your ball joint separators. <laughs> it's a big hammer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, now I think it's time to get into our main topic, bike touring. So 
I'll I'll start it out with this question because in our previous conversations before uh, the recording, I screwed it up. I was using the term bikepacking and bike touring interchangeably, which apparently that is not the case. Could you all uh, explain what the difference is? Yeah, bike touring is, you know, traditionally is a touring bike and it's it's on the road. So you got panniers, you know, it's the traditional thing. You see somebody on the road doing a long-term, you know, adventure or, or ride or whatever. And that's, you know, that's, so it's typically a, 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 a touring bike, which is basically a, a version of a road bike uh, with typically fatter tires. You know, they got front and rear panniers and they they might do a little bit of gravel but traditionally they're on they're on you know a, a paved surface you know and uh they stay in campgrounds and you know city parks and hotels, hotels you know a lot of people do bike touring with a credit card right they don't take the tent and that sort of stuff bike packing is usually out in the more wilderness areas it's could be single track it could be stuff like the continental divide trail or the colorado trail or some of that those types of activities but a bike packing is really think of it as backpacking but instead of carrying a backpack you put all your stuff on your on your bike and, and the bike's usually got suspension it's usually got fat tire you know fatter tires not a fat tire bike but you know like mountain bike type tires and uh and they don't they, they, the, the bags that you use in your bike are different. They use frame bags and bags that stick off the seat post. They don't usually use panniers like a touring bike. So to that, keep the bike streamlined when you're doing single track, you don't yeah. usually have as much space on those trails. Oh, don't want to catch on trees, bushes, yeah, what have you. Right. Right. Okay. So yeah, the episode I edited for next week, um, we ran into some bike packers who were doing the great, the Continental Divide Trail. And you can see drastically how their bike is set up and packed differently than ours are. So I think those are, those are the main differences. Um, but, you know, they're both, they're, they're both really fun. We, we've actually not done too much bike packing. Um, not done any bike packing. Yeah, that's what I mean by not too much. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> zero is not too much. Um, yeah. We're, you know, we, we watch a lot of folks do it. Ryan Van Duzer is one of our favorite people and uh, we watch him do stuff. And, you know, I look over at Mary Beth sometimes and, you know, he's on a, he's on a single track at the edge of some cliff and she's got her eyes covered because she can't, she thinks he's going to go off the cliff. So I don't know if I'd ever get her to, I don't know if I'd ever get her to do bikepacking, but, uh, you know, don't even think about it. Yeah. No, she's, she's saying no, that's a negative. I don't think he would enjoy it either. We were going along some roads where there was a sheer drop off without a guardrail down, and he was panicked yeah. about it. You know, so I, he's not a bike packer either. Yeah. Don't let him fool you. I'm not. I, you know, I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of falling. You know, <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm afraid of the ground. Is what I'm afraid of. <laughs> the crash. <laughs> no, that's that's a reasonable. That's a reasonable fear. That's fine. Okay. Well, that's that's great. So now that we've covered like the logistics of what it is how like we kind of touched on it a little bit but how did you get into this like going from just like cycling and just out your door but coming back that day to like to go to the i'll call it the next level well we um started our bike touring in taiwan and that was 
really with a backpack on our back, no panniers. We were on our road bikes. It was all road touring. It was credit card. We stayed in hotels every night. Um, and that was, gave us a great taste. I learned then my favorite thing, my favorite way to ride a bike was from one place to the next. I loved getting to a point and spending the night there way better than I'd like doing a loop tour where you end up back at home. I mm -hmm. really love going from one point to the next. And then, um, and then we found Ryan Van Duzer's channel after that trip, after our first tour around Taiwan, which we didn't film we were not we didn't have our cameras then it was 2015 yeah it was our first tour around the island and um in the middle of the summer mind you because we had to wait for my daughter to go back to the u.s during summer break so we'd have the time off anyway <laughs> it was hot <laughs> and then the second time we did it same month i don't know what's wrong with us but anyway um then we found brian van Duzer's channel and watched he and his girlfriend at the time um, cycle across the United States, basically a very similar route from us. They did Astoria, Oregon to New York City. And while we watched that series, we were we looked at each other and said, we have to do this one day. Yeah. And yeah. he started planning from that second on. He's been planning. Yeah, it really put us on a road, which led us to what, what eventually became the Apollo mission. Um, but I'm, you know, uh, I'm a planner. I'm a researcher and planner. And so I spent many, many hours researching the right bike, the right routes. Uh, I mean, we had a spreadsheet. One of our, one of our uh, preparation videos on BBB Adventures talks about the preparation that we did. I had a spreadsheet that like every, like I pretty much had done the ride on, you know, Google street view before we ever did it, you know? Uh, <laughs> and I looked at, you know, I would, I would go to Google earth and I would, you know, zoom in on the, well, I think we could camp here. And, you know, it was, so it, it, it I'm a planner. So, you know, that, but it, but it, I, I planned for probably two years um, before, before we really got serious about it. Um, I, I, yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, I think Ragbri actually was a key part too, because she, Mary Beth did Ragbri in 2013 for the first time, um, which was before we got married and before we moved to Taiwan. I was living in Texas at the time. And uh, it was, she, like she said, she started riding a bike to get fit and, um, and lose some weight or whatever. And then she did Ragbri. And right after she did Ragbri, I went out and bought a road bike. I'm like, oh, I, I want to do that, you know? And, nice. and that, that led, that led, you know, Ragbri is the gateway drug to cycling, you know, you, uh, oh, I've heard. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so, you know, I think, I think, you know, I, I would not downplay the, the impact Ragbri had on us. And in fact, Ragbri is so important to us that we would plan our yearly trips back to the U S we came back every summer for, I would work, um, my, you know, at, at my company's headquarters in Texas and then, we would vacation and see families and that sort of stuff. But our entire summer trip was planned around that event. Um, and so we, we never missed it. Um, even the year it was canceled in 2020, we were still living in Taiwan. It was canceled because of the pandemic. And they did a virtual rag bride. And we, we incorporated that as part of our uh, second trip around the island. And so, you, you know, we, it was virtual rag bride day one. And we were cycling about the same distance and the same 
you know, uh, feet of climb that you were supposed to do during rag break. We, we were very meticulous and logged it all and whatever. Um, it so was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we were fortunate that we were able to keep a vehicle in Chicago. We have the, a 1962 Corvair camper van. And we were able to keep that in storage in the Chicagoland area with our road bikes, our rag ride road bikes inside of it. So we'd just walk yeah. into Chicago, pick up our vehicle and drive to the end town um, and do rag ride that way. We were very lucky. That That's awesome. Well, I, I think this is a good plot. We could, should just talk about rag ride because like, <laughs> I've already roped Kyle in and our buddy Stan and I'm, there's a couple more people that I'm I'm working on, but they haven't committed yet. But I think, barring any extenuating circumstances, we're gonna we're gonna be there next year. So we'll definitely have to. That's awesome. But, but so, yeah, give us give us a rundown. Like yeah, well, Rag has been amazing because as I've mentioned to people that oh, Trev's been talking about this. There's at least six people that have done it, and and I didn't know. And it's like, oh yeah, you gotta go. We're like, we're gonna go back. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the 50th, look, it's the best week of the year. Fiftieth anniversary. Yeah, well, the next year will be the fiftieth anniversary. It's gonna be a great year to go. But you know, for us, um, and I think probably anybody that has any inclin, inclin, inclination inclination to do it, uh, it's it's the best week of the year. I mean, it's 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 like it's like you live for seven days in utopia. Uh, in utopia because there's no cars on the road because the you know the route is planned way ahead of time and so every for every given day the state police basically block the road off it the only cars you'll see are people who live locally and need to get to their home or uh, or an ambulance or a, you know an emergency vehicle or whatever so vehicle. you know you don't have to worry about about cars and you're on the road and the and the rag people ride the route several times so they know that the road's in good shape and so all of the things that you worry about in in riding a bicycle are sort of gone and you're just riding with you know 15 to 20,000 of like-minded cyclists and you're you just see such a diversity of of people and bicycles and equipment and levels of fitness and and uh you know, you see, you know, big people, small people, all ages, all ages. There's a guy that's 90, how old? Seven. Clarence, 97. He's, he did his first one when he was 87 or something 88. like 88 wow. years old. <laughs> and you'll see, you know, you'll see, you know, eight year old kids on 10 speed bikes. You're like, I didn't know they made bikes that small, you know, and, and, <laughs> you know, families pulling like on a tri on a, on a, not a tandem bike, but a bike with three spots. I don't know what you call that. But and then and then they've got a drag along behind that, and then a, a trailer with the baby in it or whatever. I mean, it's just you know, it's 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 and and it's everything's and anybody at any financial level, it's it's not that expensive. You could just use the rag where I can, and and they'll they'll haul your bags across. It's really inexpensive all the way up to. Like there are uh, touring companies that like will serve a five course, five star meal to their to their riders that they're supporting. You know, and every crop every, there's there's just it's just it's just nuts. And and you've never seen so many tents in your life. You pull into one of the night towns, and it's like every piece of grass has a tent on it. And I don't know. It's just it, nobody's ever upset. 
Nobody's mad. Everybody's happy. Everybody's having the time of their life. And it, and the week goes by so fast. You know, the, the end day, the final day, the Saturday comes around and you're like, I can't believe this is over. Everybody's you know? sad. Everybody's <laughs> sad because it's over. You're like, yeah, but you just rode 450 miles. It's like, I, yeah, but I'm, I'm sorry it's over, you know. This this was our best year because when it, it was over when us. it was over we just kept going you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice but we got but, excited yeah. and we just like ran in but I guess for people that aren't aware Ragbri stands for oh, registers oh, right. annual yeah. great bike ride across Iowa so you start on the west side of Iowa bike over a week to the east side of Iowa. It's From all very Missouri organized. River to the Mississippi yeah, you River. dip your rear tire in the Missouri River and your front tire in the Mississippi. And uh, the route's different every year. Um, you go through maybe some of the same towns, but the route's never the same. Sometimes it's in the northern part of the state. Sometimes it's in the middle. Sometimes it's in the southern part. Um, the the Ragbrife people do a great job of planning it and communicating Um Route announcement is typically six months before the event begins, which is like the third Saturday in January. January. Yeah, and they usually live stream the route announcement party. Um, yeah, for 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 those of your listeners, um, again, I, I'm I'm shamelessly plugging BBB Adventures, but we've got lots of content um, about Ragbride. We've even got a video on how to pack for it, and you know, it's. Uh, and and if if anyone out there has a question about it that we might be able to answer, we're happy to interact with folks and and do our best to answer questions. Um, we can be we can be uh, contacted on Instagram. Um, a disclaimer on that packing video: how to pack a rake right? We always overpack. We pack <laughs> a lot of stuff when we're doing just one week of rake ride this year. We wore the same thing every day. <laughs> we don't no, we wore the, the same day. thing every day for 77 <laughs> days, but, you know, <laughs> but that's, uh, that's another story. Uh, but yeah, Ragbri, I mean, I, I, I couldn't possibly recommend it enough for anybody that has any inclination to, and what, are, what there's actually a viewer that lives in Idaho Falls and she again found our channel because of our Ragbri content and, uh, she she did awesome and she's not a cyclist and she does not have an expensive bicycle and she, she's a cyclist now well she's a cyclist now because she pedaled across iowa but you know she you you know you you there are people doing these on walmart bikes i mean you don't you don't really have to you know there there really shouldn't be a barrier to doing it if you have interest really and and from what I understand, you don't have to do the whole thing either. You can do a couple days, depending on what you your can. schedule is. So. You can do one day you can. for seven days. And if it, 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 you need to be a registered rider, you know we we don't really we don't really like people that just go ride the ride and don't register. We don't and advocate that. We don't advocate that because it, you know it's not an expensive fee and it helps pay for the event and that sort of stuff. But if you are a registered rider and you have a rider wristband, uh the sag wagon comes by, they've got lots of sag wagons and you know, you're never more than 30 minutes from a sag wagon. So, you know, if you just don't, if you get tired of riding one day, you just jump on the sag wagon. The sag wagon's got a trailer. You put your bike on the trailer and they'll take you to camp. I mean, it's no big deal, you know? So it's really a great way to, to dip your toe into long distance cycling. No, I'm very excited. 
Like it had been on my radar for a couple of years since I watched your videos initially, but this year I'm, I'm really in cause I've been getting more into cycling myself in the last year or so. Now I'm really into it cause I can't run as much as I normally can. So it's all well, cycling to, all the time now. You need to, you know, it's not just cycling. You got to train for it. It's, it's the beer too. You need to train. Oh, I, that's, <laughs> I don't have a problem there personally, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's great. So, uh, let's see, where do we want to go? I think a great place to go is onto the Apollo mission, your guys' latest big adventure. So I guess give us the couple sentence summary of like what the goal was, what the, like how, how it went. And then we can really get into all the questions and all the fun stuff. Well, like Mary Beth said, it was inspired by Ryan Manduzer and the love cycles, uh, thing that he did on his channel. Um, and for those who haven't, checked out Ryan's channel. I couldn't recommend it enough, but, uh, yeah, that, that started us down it. It's called, we called it the Apollo mission because we rode priority Apollo bikes. And, um, the goal was to get from Astoria, Oregon to New York city and just right across the United States. That was the goal. Yeah. It, we, yeah, we wanted to be able to ride, you know, right across the United States. And we picked a route that, uh, there's lots of ways you can do that. And it turns out that two to two, between two and 3000 people do it a year. Wow. Um, really? Yeah. I was surprised by that statistic. Um, a lot of them file, uh, follow the, uh, ACA, the adventure cycling association routes. They're very, uh, you know, published and, and uh, there's a lot of data about those routes. There's a lot of information and it's, it's, it's uh, probably the easiest way to plan one of those, but we wanted to do Ragbri as part of it. And so our route had to be very specific. Um, and so we, we, we planned our own route, but uh, yeah, we rode, we rode these fantastic bikes from priority. In fact, we ended the ride at the priority headquarters because it's a Manhattan based company. And uh, so we, we met those guys and um, the, I'll put a plug in for, for the, for those guys, the, if you're not familiar with priority bicycles, you can look them up at priorityBicycles.com. but they, 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 their, their thing is, you know, zero low slash zero maintenance bicycle. So they got carbon fiber gates, carbon fiber belts, no chain. They've got uh, gear, you know, transmissions instead of derailers. And we rode these bikes 3,500 miles without doing anything to them. Zero. No adjustments, no oiling anything, no, you know, no, oh, my chain jumped off. None of that. Yeah. These were absolutely flawless for the whole time. Wow. Yeah. These are cool looking. Yeah. They're, they're, um, I'm shopping. Sorry. Yeah, it's, I, I'm telling you, once you have a, one of these bicycles with, you know, it, it, this is like a step function an advancement in, uh, in bicycle drivetrains, you know, now, yeah, the purists will come and say, well, yeah, but there's a, the, there's a little bit, there's, you know, two, there's 2.75% more friction in that transmission than a derailleur. And I'm like, yep, that's probably true. But you know, my, my cycling capability isn't going to notice a 2.75% or 3% increase in friction, you know? Uh, yeah. and I don't, I don't have to oil a chain and I don't get, chain grease on my on my my leg and i don't you know it's it's uh and our, our the apollos with the transmission in the rear the alkene hub in the rear wheel are super quiet 
there's no drivetrain no. noise, zero. That's when it. you're coasting, it's super quiet. The pinion gear up front in the crank, um, when they coast, their wheel, their rear wheel makes noise. But yeah, yeah, priority Apollos are priority Apollos are very quiet. And, and for folks that are interested in in bike packing. They make a bike called the 600X, the Priority 600X, which is a full-on bikepacking mountain bike uh, bike. So anyway, so that's that's where the name Apollo came from. Um, and, you know, it was, I, I don't know, it was a magical summer, man. It was 77 days, 3,489 miles. Uh, we averaged about 60 miles a day. And we saw... You know, you, we, we saw stuff that you you just can't see in a car. You know, you, you're so immersed in the experience because you can hear it and smell it and feel it. And you're only going 10 miles an hour. And, you know, you just, you, you it's just the, there is no better way to see a, 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 the country than on a bicycle, in my opinion. You know, and so we, we really saw some amazing stuff. Typically, the smells are quite pleasant, but you know when you see that dead deer alongside the road, that doesn't smell very yeah. good. <laughs> turns out dead deer stink. Really stinks yeah. bad. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I, 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 I just feel, you know, happy that we were able to do it and, um, you know, a lot of plan. Like I said, a lot of planning went into it. But I, you know, I I thought the thing that would probably, barring an accident, the thing I thought would be a medical problem. You know, like we blow out a knee or you know something like that. We're not spring chickens, but uh, we and we didn't really train as hard as we probably should have, honestly. So I I adjusted the route to where the first beginning days were pretty easy. So we sort of trained on we trained on the on the road. But yeah, we got her done. It was. But day five or six was our largest climb day of the whole trip. We did 5,000 feet that day. Oh, Unplanned. We were, we planned to stop at one point and it was at the bottom of a ravine. And I was suffering from anxiety over climbing at that point. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to sleep tonight knowing I have to climb up out of here. Let's just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why we did 5,000 feet that day. It was the right decision though. Yeah, you're mentioning like health issues and like people's ability to do this. You guys aren't like secret collegiate athletes or something like that previously, right? No, no. no In fact, one thing I learned about myself on this trip is I'm a lazy cyclist. Yeah, I, I already do that. <laughs> I am a lazy cyclist. Yeah, we, but I completed the ride. I got across the country. I, I've got bad knees. I wear knee braces when I cycle, and uh, I uh, I was actually having some some rotator cuff issues and some tennis elbow right before the ride. And you know, I thought, oh my god, you know, this stuff's gonna be a problem. But um, it 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 was fine. You know, um, cycling is a pretty low stress activity. You know, it's not like running or you know. And if you get if you have the right bike with the right gearing, even climbing hills, you just gear down and go slow. You know, it's just high cadence, low stress, you know, riding. And that's that's the kind of riding we do. We're not high, you know, we're we're very high cadence riders to keep the stress on the knees and stuff down. 
but we're not fast. Our average speed was 10 miles an hour, you know, um, but it's not a race, you know, we, yeah. uh, but I, I don't think you have to be, uh, you know, an Olympic level athlete to do this stuff, you know, and you really do get, you get fit on the bike, you know, it's mm-hmm. the, the training really is about your butt, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the butt is the thing that, that, that I think probably prevents more people from doing long distance cycling than anything. Cause we talk to people like, Oh yeah, I, 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 I rode my bike like three days in a row and my butt hurts about, I, I, I just can't do it anymore. And you gotta, you just gotta suck it up and get through that phase where your butt hurts because it stops, you know, uh, <laughs> after a while it just doesn't hurt anymore, you know? Um, but yeah. If any of your listeners do watch BBB Adventures, they'll have learned already that I did suffer from some high blood pressure issues. Um, By the time we got to Jackson, I was not feeling very well and went to urgent care and uh, found out my blood pressure was way high. We thought it was from the salt tablets I was eating, so I stopped taking them. But when um, I had it rechecked when we got to Iowa and it was still high, even though I had stopped Mm -hmm. taking the salt tablets. So I actually got diagnosed with high blood pressure while riding my bicycle across the United States. Imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) She was was taking the salt tablets for muscle cramps. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But. uh, And it worked for that. I was not having cramps. (laughs) Yeah. But that's. uh, But she's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's controlled for medication. It's fine. And we're still trying to determine the underlying cause but i think it's just genetics the, the the other the other thing for people our age uh that everyone our age i'm sure has discovered is the the magic of ibuprofen i mean there's there's i mean you know we, i was eating the stuff like candy uh yeah. to keep my knees uh and i actually talked to my doctor about it before i went i'm like you know i'm going to be doing this right and i'm going to be you know i'm going to be eating this stuff at you know several times a day and i was taking you know, three or four of them at a time. And three, uh, never four. he said, uh, he said, you know, for this, this, for this, you know, mm-hmm. this time period, it's fine. You know, you don't want to do that every day, but it, it, it really did keep the, you know, the inflammation in my knees down. And, and uh, I, we, you know, we, we got, we got it done. We wrote it. Yeah. And, and long distance hiking circles, they call it vitamin I. Yeah. <laughs> I call it knee candy. <laughs> No, but that's good. So glad you all made it Yeah, all in one piece. Cause yeah, I mean, one thing that kind of pops up in my mind and when during our cycling episode with our buddy Stan, I, I kind of vocalized my anxiety with vehicles and stuff like big trucks and stuff and people on their cell phone, not paying attention while driving. Did you have any close calls of that type of nature? I'll let Mary Beth tell the story about the closest call we had, but I, I would, I would start by saying by and large, um, the, the drivers were super polite to us. Um, now we, we were wearing very bright colors. I, I have bike radar. I have a Garmin mm-hmm. bike radar, which, which blinks at a different rate as a car approaches, it blinks faster. So, I mean, we did everything possible to make ourselves visible and actually got lots of comments from like, we would pull into a gas station or something and a driver would go, Oh, I saw you guys back here on the road. And you know, you're so easy to see, you know, so visibility is key. You've got to make yourself like super visible. Um, and, but, but construction orange was, was a great call. We had actually 
purchased cream colored sun shirts and I mm. saw these orange shirts at Sam's Club and I hemmed and hawed and probably thought about it for two weeks. And I'm like, I, we have to have those. And we mm. bought them and it was the best decision we had made. It was great. So the, the most inconsiderate drivers on the road we discovered were cattle truck drivers and the log truck drivers. They didn't seem to care that we were there. Hmm. Um, they gave us no, they didn't make any attempt to give us any space. Yeah, they just stayed in their lane. Every, everyone else, all the other drivers gave us three feet or more. You know, like we, and, and they would actually hold back. You know, if it was in a no passing zone, yeah, the drivers yeah. would stay behind us until it was safe to pass us. Even, so even semi trucks, if they weren't a logging truck or a cattle truck, uh, we had we had in the in the um, you know some of the roads in central Idaho in the mountains where you know it's a double yellow line, it's going around a curve. We had semi truck drivers wait until the, the, they were around the corner and it was clear to pass us. So I, I was shocked actually at how polite the drivers were. Um, in every state in every state um it was not a state-by-state things we had we did talk to people that went through some states i'm not going to name states like kentucky kentucky or west virginia (laughs) states like that i won't i won't name them um but they said you know it was pretty bad people throwing water Mm -hmm. bottles at them and and i i spent a lot of time in texas and i i didn't have a lot of good luck in texas with some of the drivers but in the states we went through, I was super happy about the courtesy of the drivers because it is dangerous. But I, I think visibility and then, you know, like the bike radar, you got to do things. Mary Beth wears a, a little mirror on her you know, rearview mirror. You just got to be super aware. You, you can't let your guard down ever, you know. Um, but t- tell about the cattle Wait, truck. Wait, uh, before we get to the cattle truck. Um the other point is when we were driving, we were driving on two lane highways and they were often curvy, you know, with cliffs on one side, river on the other. And in those situations, I got the feeling that the drivers were not distracted because they couldn't be. Yeah. You can't be driving yeah. on those roads mm-hmm. and be texting with your cell phone. You can't be distracted. So we were actually, I think, protected or safer on those roads than we would be on a straight highway interstate, you know, where you do have a lot of distracted drivers because they don't have to pay as close attention to what they're doing because it's just, you know, the same road they drive on every day and that sort of thing. These were holiday travelers and on a road that really demanded their attention, not just because we were there, but because the road was dangerous for them. Um, So the cattle truck, we were traveling in Oregon. Um, What type of, what part of Oregon were we? Um. We were we were in the Blue Mountains the of Blue Oregon. Mountains. We were coming. We were, we, had, we had summited the Blue Mountains, and we were coming down a, 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 a pass. pass. And the road it was just a two lane road in the forest. It was beautiful. Um, cruising down the road, and a cattle truck goes past me, and he gets about fifty feet in front of me, and the cow was inside. One of the cows inside let loose, like. Oh. Like had diarrhea out the side of the truck. It was and a it, it was a river of poop. Blasted <laughs> the the shoulder in front of me and the guardrail in front of me, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" I was screaming at the top of my lungs, "Oh my god!" And I stopping fast so I don't slide into it. Yeah. Brentley's right behind me, and we're going down the hills. So we're going about twenty miles per hour, and he's having a hard time stopping. And he's like, "You can't stop like that," you know. And I'm like, "I, I have to." <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> 
Um, so he thought he would pull out around me to avoid hitting me. But before he made that move, another cattle truck comes barreling past. So thank God he didn't pull out to go around me. And we were able to come to a stop before we got into the mess that the cow had left on the road. But that was the closest call we had to it, a disaster. And I yeah. had absolutely no idea that that no, would no. happen. I, I just, if I had, if it had happened right next to me, it would have been bad because I, yeah. it would have been bad. <laughs> so all of your listeners know that cattle trucks can <laughs> and do this. And, and, and I felt like after that happened, I felt like now that I know that that can happen, I think I can handle it. So there's a whole other facet of this trip that I think we'd be remiss to not talk about. But uh, so tell us about the Boise Bicycle Project and how that kind of goes along with your trip. Um, you know, we wanted the trip to have a little bit deeper meaning for us. And uh, not that it wasn't going to have meaning, but we really wanted it to have more significance and so we thought, well, we'll find an organization to support. We'll try to raise money. You know, we'll turn this into a bit of a fundraiser. So that began a search. And we, we thought about organizations like People for Bikes, which is a great organization if you're not familiar with it. Uh, uh, we thought about other stuff. And then it's like, you know, we really want to do something that's more local. Uh, so we started looking around locally, and in that search, we found the Boise Bicycle Project. Now, we don't live in Boise, we live in Idaho Falls, but it's still local enough that it's an Idaho organization. Um, Idaho Falls isn't really big enough to have something like that. Um, and so uh, I, we basically found them doing a Google search. We, I had never heard of it before, but once we contacted them and started to understand what they do, it became clear that that was the right organization to support and so we started a, uh, a fundraising campaign and our goal is to raise a dollar for every mile that we that we rode so that and i think we're at about twenty one hundred dollars uh our goal is thirty five hundred thirty four hundred um and so we're going to continue to leave that campaign open as we publish all of the episodes of the apollo mission i think we'll make the goal i really do um, we're getting a lot of great support, but let me, the, or the bicycle, the Boise bicycle project is a nonprofit organization that basically takes, uh, donated bikes. So people donate bikes to them and they either fix them up. They do it like a triage. They sort of assess the condition of the bike and they either fix it up or they take it apart and salvage the, the usable components but the bikes that they fix up, they have a retail store in Boise, and you can go in and buy a bike that's been fixed up, um, and uh, that helps fund their efforts. Um, but they also give away a lot of bikes to people in need. So their philosophy is that everybody should have a bike, and that's not just kids. They gave, they've given away uh, 15, tw no, 12,000, I think it's 12,000 bicycles in the 15 wow. years they've been around. And a, a lot of those are to kids, but a lot of them are also to folks who don't have any other, they're in a, they're in a position where they don't have transportation. They need transportation to get you a job or something like that. So if somebody comes in with a need for a bicycle, they leave the Boise Bicycle Project with a bicycle. And, uh, and so they're really helping push 
you know, good things for the Boise community. Um, and, and, you know, everybody deserves a bike and we're going to help everybody get a bike sort of philosophy. We did a great episode on BBB Adventures when we were, because we went through Boise as part of the Apollo mission and we stopped there and met Jimmy, who's the, one of the co-founders and we, we interviewed him and it's, uh, it's a it's a great episode if you haven't seen it um, that really really lets you know what that organization is about. Um, but it's it deserves it deserves support. It's doing some, and it's not just bicycles. There, Jimmy's part of the. Uh, he's on the Boise City Council. He's pushing bicycle friendly things into the Boise area, uh, advocating even at the statewide level and maybe even beyond about about cycling ad advocacy and uh the the children that get a bike get a helmet they get safety gear they get training wow. you know they get a lock they get they get you know they're they're, they're about education it's just a really really great organization so they have a they have a repair shop too and they have parts and bits and pieces where you can go in and do repair for your bike and you can reserve shop time you don't get to reserve a mechanic. You don't take your bike there and have someone service it. You take your bike there and they show you how to repair your oh, bike yourself. Awesome. Yeah. It is really Yeah. Cool. If for those people in the Boise area, if you haven't stopped by, um, you should go check them out. It's a, it's really an inspiring group of people. Yeah. They, if they have a membership based, I don't know, program as well. You, you, you can yeah, be a you member. Can, you can pay a fee and become a member of the Boise Bicycle Project. And members get once a year they get to pick a frame and they have free access to the components. And so every year you can build yourself a bike down there. But the the components that they sell there are at a very reduced price. Like <laughs> the rack, the the rack that I put on the on the Apollos, I bought retail. They were like fifty five bucks. I, that exact rack was in their in their parts bin. For $7. The exact thing for seven dollars and fifty cents, you know. So uh, <laughs> wow, they've got they've got high quality components down there that they're pulling off these bikes. You'd be surprised some of the bikes that people donate. I mean, you know, somebody you can imagine somebody buys a pretty high end road bike, rides it twice, decides his butt hurts, it sits in the garage for three years, and they want to clean out the garage. They're like, I'll just go donate this, take the tax mm -hmm. deduction, and so mm -hmm. they it's not just crappy rusty bikes. They're getting some nice bikes down there. If uh, if anybody, if any of your viewers want to donate, um, they can go to any of our Apollo mission videos on YouTube. Go to the description section, and there's a link in the description that you can use to get to our campaign page. And I'll put it in the show notes, too, so okay. it'll be available there as well. I think it's time for the question. Uh, what's your biggest outdoor mistake? You know, I thought our big, my biggest outdoor mistake was going to be... Uh, not doing the right research into what a two-man tent really means. Um, because we, uh, we ordered a brand new tent. We ordered a bike packing tent. And, uh, and I just ordered a two-person a two tent. And so when it came, we set it up in our basement. And literally, I went back and looked at the order form. And I, they sent me a one-man tent. I don't understand why did they send me a one-man tent. Um, and... Um, but we we ended up using it, and so I, I really did think it was going to be a mistake. But we ended up loving it, we, not just using it. We loved it. It, it was it, perfect for us. Yeah, it it was. But there was no space. I don't know. If I'd recommend it. We, we we made good use of it, and we got used to it. I don't know if I'd recommend it though, because 
we there was no place for our gear, you know. So we we couldn't secure the gear, uh, and I think you know a three man tent probably would have a three person tent would have given us uh, the place to put you know some of our gear. But uh, but you know Mary Beth and I are you know we're like newlyweds. We're very <laughs> close. So you know, the the two person tent. You know, and what's funny is in the instructions of the tent, it showed a guy and a dog. And I'm like, oh, well, that's why they're calling it a two person tent because it's this guy and his four pound dog, you know, and there's probably enough room in it for that. But, um, for yeah, so anybody who buys a tent and is going to just buy it online and not go to like REI and look at it first, uh, a two person tent isn't really that, it's really a one person tent. So, uh, uh kyle and i have shared my my two-person hiking tent it's snug but it's, yeah. it's, it's not terrible oh, yeah. we just had to put all our stuff in the vestibule but yeah, yeah it's, it's doable but yeah it's, i mean if you want to stretch somebody else has to get out of the tent yeah mary beth what do you have a biggest outside outdoor i know i shared that one with you oh you do <laughs> <laughs> that's fine <laughs> You know, I, growing up in Idaho, like I said, you know, doing all the outdoor activities, we did a lot of, we made a lot of mistakes, but I don't really view them as mistakes. They were, you know, I learned a lot from all of the stupid things that we did, you know, getting lost in the backcountry of Yellowstone backpacking with my dad. And, you know, that just turned out to be um, a good way to learn how to use a map and a compass, you know, it was, so, you know, it was, so, you know, I, we've had a lot of, experiences uh that all added to the knowledge uh you know i mean it's like if you're not making mistakes you're not pushing yourself you know um yeah so you know i view i view a lot of the dumb things or 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 bad things that happened as learning opportunities yeah and and more often than not they turn into good stories and they do (laughs) little self-deprecation is always good i know I know my buddy Alex. He loves telling all the dumb things I've done and have almost died a couple of times. He anytime my wife's around to hear it, he loves telling them. But um, yeah, before we kind of wrap it up, I, I I'm gonna shamelessly steal this from another podcast that uh, does not need my help promoting them. But what is the question we should be asking you that we haven't thought about? I like I like these nice big open ended questions. Um. Let's see. Well, you know, uh, you asked a lot of really good questions. Um, and, you know, we didn't talk too much about, you know, our, our age, you know, and are there, is there anything about our age, you know, that, uh, that impacts our ability to, you know, to do the things outside we want to do? Cause I'm 56, Mary Beth's 58. Uh, we're not spring chickens. Um, and, you know, I would say, you know, if you were to ask me that question, it's like, you know, you know, uh, you're in your mid to late fifties, you know, what, 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 what advice would you have for folks? You know, it's, it's don't let the age, um, or even your physical condition prevent you from getting started, you know, um, like like this guy we were talking about, Clarence and Ragbright. He did his first Ragbright eighty seven. Now I'm I'm not suggesting people wait till they're eighty seven to start doing stuff, but you know get out and get started, and it's one day at a time. 
you know, it's one event at a time. If, you know, it's one mile at a time, it's, you know, it's how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, you know? Uh, so it's, it's don't, don't let these numbers uh, prevent you from getting out getting off the couch, getting away from, you know, whatever and, and getting outside because really uh, the, the endorphins that are released um, when you do physical things outside and you're breathing fresh air will improve anybody's uh, view of life. And uh, I, I, I just would, you know, that don't let age or physical condition, your current physical condition prevent you from getting started. Love it. I think that's a good, that's a good thing to wrap it up on. So we'll go into all my housekeeping stuff. So Mary, Beth and Brentley, Plug yourselves. Where can people find you online and all that good stuff? Yeah. So BBB Adventures on YouTube uh, is our main sort of uh, social media uh, that you can sort of see what we're up to. We do have an Instagram. It's at buses, bikes, beers. Uh, Our email is buses, bikes, beers at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out to us uh, or you can message us on Instagram. If you want to see the world's best dog, then you can see Disco uh, at, he has an Instagram, of course, at, at Disco Macau. Um, and, uh, D-I-S-C-O-M-A-C-A-W. Yeah, he's, uh, you can watch him bark at himself in a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, I think that's it for social media. All right. But please, cool. uh, and if you do, if you do like what you see on Buses Bike or on uh, BBB Adventures, we love interacting with comments. Leave a comment. Um, you know, we'd love to hear from from like anybody. Subscribe. Yeah, like and subscribe, <laughs> and we love we'd love to hear from uh, from anyone. Isn't there supposed to be like a sound of a little bell at that point? Like like yeah, and subscribe. Yeah, like Ding. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll have to edit that in. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a great conversation and really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, it was our pleasure. Enjoyed it. Thank you so much. All right. Now more podcasty housekeeping stuff. We now officially have a logo and I'd like to thank POD for getting us in contact with Leslie Hensley. You did a great job and we really like what we've come up with. If you you follow us on Instagram, you've seen it already because we've already posted about it. Very excited. And on top of that, we have our first official review. I've been saying it every episode that I would read a five-star review, and we got a five-star review, so I'm going to read it right now. It's entitled Learning to Adventure. This is from The Bad Tim um, on Apple. It's our friend Tim Codman. (laughs) But uh, he writes, Great introduction to a broad range of adventuring around the world. Opens the door of more ways to experience what the Earth has to offer. Also, appreciate that Kyle doesn't have social media. Keep at it guys. So thanks Tim. And if, if you want to be cool, like Tim, write us a review and I'll read it along on, on the podcast here. But other than that, my Instagram's the same at Trevor Bowman. Kyle still doesn't have Instagram. So wave at people named Kyle that are in Boise or just people that look like Kyle in general. Um, if you want to get in contact with the podcast, you can email us at, adventuring for mere mortals at gmail.com our podcast instagram is at mere mortal pod and we still have a discord it's kind of quiet over there but the the uh link to that will be in the show notes 
And uh, yeah, I guess thanks for coming on once again. And uh, we'll see you all next month.